I broke everything. I'm a vampire. Kill me. Kill me. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny. Am I getting through to you? Over! Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Vampire's Piss, the number one podcast in the known universe about the Nicolas Cage 1988 horror comedy classic, Vampire's Kiss. I am, Cassidy is not with us today. I'm not sure. I think I got like a, if memory serves me, I got a strange voicemail from him about why he couldn't make it, but I didn't have time to listen to that. So hopefully that's not anything. But I'm with a very special guest tonight with my friend Valentina. Say hello, Valentina. Hello, I'm Valentina and not Matt. Yeah, Valentina is another person from our college whom I do not shout out on this podcast. Uh, she's a very talented director, and I'll ask her to plug her stuff at the end. But for now, I need to talk to her about this crazy-ass movie, Vampire's Kiss. Nothing could have prepared me for what I just watched. Yeah, is this your first time watching the movie? Yes, it is my first time. Parentheses. Lol, this is hard, and parentheses. I had an inkling for the vibe of the movie by the fact that it's a Nicolas Cage vampire movie. And yet nothing yeah. could have prepared me for what I just witnessed. Yeah, that I don't think there's any way that you could like have any idea like what's about to happen when you like put on this movie. I don't I don't think it was well respected at all. I I'm sure you're shocked to hear that it was not a well received movie upon release. But that's not surprising. But I will say I did enjoy my entire experience of watching this film. Me, Valentina, enjoyed this film. Oh yeah, I think it's great parentheses i have no idea what i said here tbh and parentheses i mean it's not off the mark for a vampire movie's weirdness i do think that vampire movies have a certain strangeness to them or maybe i'm just thinking of twilight <laughs> yeah it's hmm yeah it's not as good as twilight but it is like in some ways more vampire than twilight like, Twilight does not have... I mean, he. I guess he doesn't really have fangs either, but none of the vampires in Twilight have fangs, if I remember correctly. Which is really weird. Yeah. But it's not, it's not about Edward. It's about Peter tonight, so... Alright, so... Just general thoughts, like... How are we feeling? Like, what was your expectations? Like... What were you experiencing? I was surprised about how surreal the film turned out to be. I think you told me earlier that the cinematographer worked with David Lynch. Uh, I looked it up and I was wrong about that. He gives me there's very specific shots that remind me a lot of Eraserhead. Like I think that there's like a certain like slightly off-putting kind of geometric vibe that like a lot of David Lynch's, especially Eraserhead specifically, and a lot of the shots in this remind me of that. But it was. Like I should have written his name down, but he is very good. And he did Edward Scissorhands, Matilda, uh, maybe one of the Batman movies. He did Edward, which we both like very much. Uh, oh, wow. 
you know, despite, yeah, despite, you know, Edward, you know, out of whatever happened to that main actor, like, I don't know. Nothing crazy about that guy. But, so you liked it? Yes, I did like it. Parentheses. Lots of things were said. I don't remember. End parentheses. It's hard to know how much of the film was purposeful and how much of it isn't. There is almost social commentary, but it's kind of hard to pinpoint. Like you said, it's very much like American Psycho. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of The Room a lot as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Although it did precede that. So who knows? Maybe Tommy saw this, you know, back in the day. It is. It is. It inspired The Room. It inspired Brett Easton Ellis' entire career. You know, you know, everything, everything. So we on the podcast, we always ask, like, what our favorite scene, like the standout performance was. But also we ask, is he a vampire? What do you want to tackle first? I want to tackle the fact of whether or not he's a vampire because it's been bumping around my head for a while. Yeah. It is really interesting and a strange choice to never fully tell the audience whether he's a vampire. I mean, I think right now I'm leaning towards the idea that he's not a vampire. Me, Valentina. Ah, you know, it's been different on different watches. I think it does purposely leave it ambiguous, but I think the fully the intention was to portray like a psychotic man who like has this like weird power trip in which he thinks he's a vampire when he very much is not and because you know there's so many hints at that like all the scenes like the morning after where he's still talking to rachel and there's no one there and he's going to therapy and he has like manic depression and like he's you know like we see the real life of like him looking in the mirrors and he's obviously there, but he's not seeing anything. So I think it is all in his head, at least intended. But there are some weird things about it that, like, make you a little uncertain. Like, I always feel that the strongest case for... Well, there, there's two, but I f we always feel that, like, the strongest case for why he is a vampire is that if you shoot blanks into your mouth, it's probably still going to hurt a lot. And he seemed pretty unfazed. So, you know, he got that... He's the throat goat, obviously. He, like, he could take anything. And, yeah. Oh, I think that could be the writer's mistake for not knowing that blanks are lol. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's like, I mean... It's not a perfect movie, you know, let's say. Like, as 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 much a fond I am of it, that is, like, the main, like, plot hole that like, just does not make any sense. Uh, also, the fact that he's able to, like, as such, like, a dorky dude, he's able to woo so many pretty ladies. Lamau, yeah. Yeah. But Jackie's the only, and she, like, I guess she has sus taste because she, like, was a cool with it. But she was also drunk. But I think if we were to take, like, everything within that is everything that happens that's vampires in Peter's head, I think that Rachel coming back with him is just in his imagination. And he just saw her that one time. And then again, at the end of, you know, the club. True, true. But I was, I didn't notice this as much, but like when he was getting carried off and you see like Rachel and like that Donald guy, like at the end, they are kind of snickering at him getting pulled out. But like, that's also because he's crazy, you know, so they could just be laughing at him because he's a ridiculous person. All right. So we're feeling, we're feeling not vampire right now. I think he's probably not a vampire, and that does make it a lot more disturbing, to be honest, especially him eating pigeons and that woman. Oh, yeah, I think it's, like, significantly scarier if it is all in his head, you know? Because then he's just, like, a, he's not even, like, cool, he's just a straight murderer. 
Okay. What was your standout scene? I think, honestly, the movie gets progressively crazier as it goes on, kind of like the whole ending. But one standout scene would have to be the time of him talking to the wall, and it's like yeah. a surreal delusion of a therapy session. I agree. I think usually whenever I watch this movie, like my favorite scenes are either the alphabet scene where he's like, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, that one's pretty funny. And I saw that because this is this movie's been memed a lot. So like you see like that clip specifically out of context on like Twitter and YouTube comps and stuff. And when he's telling Alva, like, oh, I would never choose such a horrible job for anyone but you. And he, like, his eyes are popping out of his head. That's, like, the... What's that old meme? It's, like, you don't say. Yeah. So, you know, the cultural, like, influence of this movie is there. But usually for me, it's between the alphabet scene and the the therapy scene at the end. And I think this watch... It was definitely hidden pretty hard. I think the juxtaposition between like the real life of him being so crusty and like his delusions is really funny. I also felt like it was quite sad and striking because we're joking that you would actually see that in New York, but it is true. Like, you know, you would. And I don't necessarily want to associate this with mental illness, but those with schizophrenic disorder do have paranoid delusions of either like actually being corpses Mm -hmm. or zombies so that does actually happen a lot so the idea of this being his delusion of being a vampire is pretty similar to something that could actually happen which makes it a lot more terrifying so that was pretty striking for me but then again it's hard to know like what is actually purposeful like Mm -hmm. is this actually a meaningful take on mental illness and mental health or not parentheses i said something funny I don't know what, though. Lol. Me, Valentina. Right. I think... I think this movie is, like, at a really weird intersection of a lot of things. And I think it's super understandable that when it came out, like, most people didn't get it. And... Because it it almost seems like it's a comedy on accident. Because everyone besides Nicolas Cage is playing it so straight the entire time. And there's, like... There's only, like, a few jokes that other characters say, and even then, they're kind of weird. Like, I think the part where, like, the taxi driver's like, oh, crazy Jews, I think that was supposed to be a joke, but it's just kind of like, whoa, what the fuck, (laughs) you know? It was super random. Well, yeah, that was so random, and for him to be like, oh, this is the love of my life here. I mean, it's interesting just how much of the film is dedicated to the idea of romance and relationships. Like, in his perspective, he's constantly obsessing Mm -hmm. with it, and I'm wondering if that is also purposeful, and if the film is also somehow commentating on, like, Mm -hmm. the culture of dating. Definitely. I mean, I think I've figured out this guy's psyche pretty well after so many times, and upon rewatching it, like, there is constant, like, him, like, like, him looking at the people at the hot dog stand making out... Or him being triggered by the lady saying that she got proposed to. Or, like, the domestic abuse clowns. Like, he very literally is... And also, um, Dr. Glazer, like, having her her boyfriend, like, on the phone. Like, when he calls her late at night. And, like, he doesn't even see that, but that's there. It is sprinkling how, like, everyone in the city... Or, like, seemingly everyone in the city is in love besides him. And he's very clearly, like, in a mentally disturbed incel who's just, like, frustrated by 
his own inadequacies, even though he was able to pull like a perfectly normal, nice woman, you know? Yeah, she was super hot too. I still have no idea why he let her left her at the museum. I think it's just self-sabotage. I think like his actions towards Rachel, like, are especially like manic and confusing, but he's clearly like a very unwell person. I think the movie definitely is aware of like the power structures that it's dealing with and that like these like yuppies are to be criticized. And I think this the same that single scene with him with his like uh, the other like yuppie white guys where they're all like, oh, we don't care about workplace harassment. Ho, 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 you know, I think that's the closest that the movie gets to like really on the nose social commentary. But I think it's so much more a character study on this like total lunatic, you know. Parentheses. OMG, I talk a lot here and parentheses. Honestly, yeah. And also, it's interesting mm -hmm. how all the women in the film are women of color and his employees, a Latino woman in a working class family, yeah. unable to leave her job due to workplace harassment. It's all very pointed and interesting. And it seems intentional. However, I just find it kind of hard to know exactly because of how weird everything is. And honestly, I think a lot of films mm -hmm. in the 80s are that level of strange. Like, even I forgot which, but some really popular movies with Tom Cruise then have the same flavor of weirdness. And I think if maybe they had another actor to play Peter, perhaps mm. the film would have been well-received. Mm -hmm. Although I do think Nicolas Cage is strangely interesting to watch and has a very unique screen presence and personality. Like you said, he's going berserk and it's hard to accept everything as serious if it was meant to be. And perhaps if they casted another actor, it would have been able to play to that kind of madness without coming off as a bit goofy. And maybe it would have been well-received then. I think maybe it would be more, like, well-received initially, but I think that it wouldn't have the staying power, and it also would not no longer be a good movie, because I do think that this is a good movie in its own weird way. But because of all its eccentricities, which are, like, brought up to, like, 11 by Nick Cage, who does a fantastic job. I mean, yeah, you could really tell that he's putting his mm. entire heart into playing this role. I mean, yeah, you could really tell he's yeah. putting his entire heart into playing this role. And I was thinking about this, like, the scenes that are memed a lot. I think even though I like Nicolas Cage's mm -hmm. look, when he does crazy expressions, his face does yeah. is a little goofy, <laughs> so it does look funny. But there could be actors out there where they do expressions or body yeah, language yeah. and madness, and it could actually be very striking and scary rather than goofy. Mm -hmm. But there could be actors out there who do expressions or body language of madness and actually looks really striking and scary rather than goofy. And even in comedy, it's hard to hit the mark yeah. of exaggeration. But then I'm also thinking, if this story is about a man descending into the delusions that he is a vampire, and there is a scene of him watching Nosferatu, yeah. and then Nicolas Cage eventually begins walking like an old silent movie villain, is he purposely playing it off a little... And then that's interesting in itself, how Nosferatu is about a creature that isn't able to get the girl. And I'm wondering if that's like the reason why Peters bases delusions on it and identifies with it. I think that's absolutely uh, what this is about. I have, I think that, honestly, I think the only way that they could like recast this and like it would still work is if it was literally Tom Cruise, because he's also crazy just for different reasons. And that would add to the... 
it's like when you watch like seven now and like Kevin Spacey's like a serial killer and you're just like, oh yeah, I am afraid of this guy. Um, I feel like what you're hinting at is that this, the vampire's kiss is Nicolas Cage's risky business, which I think is kind of, I think that kind of works. Not going to lie. Lamau. Yeah. 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 Because there's, like, this surreal, like, dream sequencing stuff. But, so, my my read of Peter Lowell, right? And there's a lot of, like, hints about his past and stuff throughout. Like, in the beginning, Peter is, is Nicolas Cage. Peter Lowell. Uh, born in Philadelphia, but he's been in New York for uh, 10 years. So, my read of him is that he is an ex-goth who, like was very into goth stuff like he's like he was very into the club scene like he knows like all the spots like all the places he was going they had like banging music you know and he works in literature so i think he was an ex-goth and a failed poet and he like tried and you know he likes he likes wordsworth and he likes poetry and stuff it is but like he I think he's very into that stuff, but he just wasn't good. And so his father probably owned the firm and he's a nepotism baby. And so he's just miserable and he's working in the field that he wants to, but not doing what he wants to. And he's miserable. So he takes it out on his secretaries. And that's my biggest read of him. And I think in the first scene where we see him with his therapist, she's like, and, you know, your father, you know, presented the idea of, like, what it means to be in a man that wasn't even halfway attainable or whatever. And that's just kind of a throwaway thing. But I think that's definitely part of him. Like, he's very clearly, like, extremely insecure. And this vampire fantasy is, like, him trying to work through his angst with women. Because even in the end, he, like, makes up the perfect woman who, like, likes everything that he likes and all this stuff. But he's so self-sabotaging and he hates himself so much that he can't even, like, allow himself to fantasy for longer than, like, ten minutes. Because he ends up, like, telling her to fuck off. It's very sad. But at the same time, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, though, I don't think, even though, like, I do think he has, like, a very thought out like mentality and psychosis even though it seems very perplexing at first i do like that you don't have to they don't like try to make you sympathize with him whatsoever you're just like meant to laugh at him the whole time to be honest there was a small part of me that felt a bit bad even though he did horrible things because i was reminded of like actual people who do walk around in the streets of new york with delusions you commented and you're not the first person to comment this that it, he that steak went into his his chest really easy so perhaps that's another weak uh writing thing on the part. <clears throat> Sorry. I thought that could have been okay. purposeful to show that maybe the brother wasn't there because when it cuts he's like isn't even there anymore. <laughs> I think it's implied that he just like runs off so he doesn't get clocked for murder, but I think the fact that it does go in so easy, like, is, like, another little tick on the side. Like, maybe he is a vampire, you know? Because that piece of wood was, like, pretty blunt. How did he feel about him running around New York asking people to stab him? Iconic, honestly. Yeah, it was hilarious. So, I I have, like, very... I'm, like, very critical of vampire movies because I love vampires and I've seen a lot of vampire movies and so my standards for what makes a good one, like, is a little high, you know? 
And I feel that in vampire movies, like, what for me, like, what I'm looking for the most is, like, good references to, like, other vampire movies, good iconography, like, the fangs, the blood, uh, whether or not, like, you want to do the romantic vampire or, like, the more, like, creaturey kind. And I think that in a weird way, this one, like, harkens back and it's, like, it's a lot stronger founded in, like, vampire, like, romanticism, but placed in the modern world than twilight is because they don't even have fangs in twilight so he's like kind of more a traditional vampire than edward cullen is but i don't know if i would say that he it's a better vampire movie than twilight because it's definitely not a better movie than twilight but i don't know he's a little bit more vampire-y in some ways but he's also not a vampire probably at all (sighs) i'm sorry am i boring you valentina i'm sleepy lol this is the most scintillating conversation you could possibly be having right now. I can't believe you're yawning on me right now. What I thought was interesting is about how almost all vampire movies, there is a bite and they do suck your blood and you become a vampire. But in this one, she sucks his blood like every single night and you keep waiting for the big transformation to happen, but it never actually happens. And I think it is also connected to the idea of his delusion is yeah. dealing with his inability to connect with women since that hot lady is drinking him every night. Asterix. Something about that lady drinking his blood in the office and asterisks. Another thing that I've discussed with Cassidy is that I think a part of his psyche is that, like, he's very sexual, you know, despite never taking his shirt off besides to go in the shower. But I think a big part of his his struggle is with, like, his own insecurity and his masculinity So I kind of think that he just really wants, like, a hot lady to top him. But at the same time, like, he's not going to allow that to happen except in his vampire fantasies. So he needs to invent, like, such, like, a crazy situation for him to even allow himself to be submitted to a woman in this way. Like, it has to be, like, violent for it to, like... It's just patriarchy, dude. You know what I mean? And another thing, too, is uh, I think it's implying that the lady is the bat at the beginning and that he was aroused during the fight of the bat... But now I'm thinking maybe he just caught something off of the bat and that's yeah. what began his delusions. Uh, I mean, I think the in our earlier watches, like me and Cassidy were like more convinced. Like, I think that the bat may have just given him rabies and like upon his manic depression, which he probably is not medicated for. He uh, was having both rabies induced hallucinations and like his regular psychosis. I... In the earlier watches of this, like, I was looking very carefully to see if, like, he ever made, like, close enough contact with the bat for him to bite him or anything. And it doesn't really look like he did, but I think it everything in this movie is ambiguous. Yeah, totally. So, it's possible. But he's just a piece of shit, right? He's really terrible to Alva. Alva should have quit her job. Yeah, she should have. She really needed the money, though. Her mom said so. I think if it was better written, that would probably be utilized for social commentary. But it's mostly just like her family is shitty. Her family was the worst. And it was interesting that no one, including the family, believed her workplace harassment. I think I think it's part of it, but it's not really like a main focus of the artistic statement of the movie versus and you know like i i shit on american psycho a lot on this podcast saying that it ripped off this movie because it did you know and people are after me for saying that but 
um, one thing that American Psycho does do a lot better is, is like actually making commentary on it. Like it's a lot more pointed in its critiques of like the yuppie like upper class and and p- people like Peter and all that. And he does have like a hierarchy. Asterix. Something about American yeah. Psycho and Asterix. It's very funny watching them back to back because. It's just, it's very similar things. Like, it's offices, it's clubs, it's, like, men having terrible condescending conversations with women, you know? But there's points where they're both, like, going fucking crazy, and the other one is just, like, kind of stewing in their anger. Like, the scene where uh, Peter Nicolas Cage, like, destroys his room for the first time is the scene where... uh, Patrick Bateman is getting interviewed by Willem Dafoe and like he's like so where were you and Paul with Paul Allen blah, 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 blah. and he's like being super sus the whole time and he's panicking and he's like trying to keep it cool but like this guy's grilling him but you can't really read him and during that Peter's just destroying everything so they're like I'm pretty convinced that they're they were like they went to college together if I'm being honest I kind of ship them amount no yeah i think that you start with a what, what do you think like because i'm not sure like i go back and forth would you start with american psycho or you start with vampire's kiss i definitely would start with vampire's kiss i think american psycho just takes everything to the next level vampire's kiss walks so american psycho could run that's true yeah yeah no, you're right. I just, like, I guess, like, I was thinking, like, maybe end on, like, I mean, it is still heavy in parts, but this is, like, a much lighter movie than I think American Psycho is just because of the severity of the violence. But people do need to know where American Psycho came from, because this is it. Okay. I think... We can start to wrap up, but usually on this show, unless there's anything else, some hot takes you want to drop about this movie. That Okay. So we usually do recommendations. So it could really be like any piece of media that you've enjoyed, something you've been watching recently, like a show or a movie or music. I've been suggesting concepts also, like the uh, concept of safety and staying aware. Because, you know, you never know who's after you. I recommend Velvet Goldmine because it's a queer film about the Little Rock era. It's loosely based off of David Bowie in the 70s and also his gay relationship with Iggy Pop at the time. Actually, he didn't give permission for his music to be used in the film because he didn't like how he was betrayed. And another fun fact that Courtney Love was supposed to work as a musical supervisor on the film, but she refused after seeing Ewan McGregor's character resemble Kurt Cobain too much. But at the end, the director did say that not having Bowie's music in it did make it better. I think I've definitely seen, like, pictures out of context with Christian Bale in, like, more, like, draggy kind of makeup. So I assume it's from that. I dig it. Um, Vivian, Annika's partner and friend of the show, has a theory that I do not agree with, that David Bowie is actually faking being bisexual, which I think is a little wild. Which I thought, I think, I think that was a thing that, like, the 70s mm. had the bisexual, sexual liberation, the 80s was, like, that conservative backlash. But I do think it's a thing that David yeah. Bowie says that he's no longer gay after the 70s. <laughs> I think, I think my biggest case for him being bisexual is, like, 
the coke fueled gay sex that he was definitely having with Mick Jagger uh before during and after the uh music video for I do not remember what that song is called Dancing in the Streets yeah I think that's just too gay but Viv says that gay coke sex doesn't uh count which I like I mean I haven't done it yet so like I can't really say anything about that I, I'm not sure. We could ask her next time. But, okay, so Velvet Goldmine is your recommendation. Very nice. And I think I will recommend, since the two of us have been watching it with Amanda, the new Lord of the... Actually, you don't really need us to recommend you the, the Lord of the Rings show. I don't want to be putting more money in Jeff Bezos' pocket with my big influencer poll. But, uh, it is good. Yes, I love it. It sucks that Jeff Bezos made it. Yeah. That is sad. But yeah, I want it to be good because they did invest so much money into it. And it wasn't as good, then that would have been sad. But then again, like, I just don't want to support Jeff Bezos that much. Yeah. He I agree. I was, like, extremely skeptical because we've been watching the Lord of the Rings movies. And, like, although I still enjoyed the Hobbit movies, there was, like, a very clear, like... uh less quality you know like more confused like direction in a lot of ways so i was worried that and i think like whenever you see a lord of the rings thing you want to be like yeah i want it to make me feel as magical as the original trilogy did you know and that's very hard to pull off because it was such like a lightning in a bottle type thing but i i was really shocked at how good this show is like it's pretty i mean it's like not the most amazing thing i've seen like yet like, I still got to see where they take the characters. But in terms of presentation and, like, the way that they're, like, expanding on the world and, like, everything that's going on, I think it's pretty great. And I'm, like, pretty sucked in. Yeah, honestly, there's some moments that are so amazing. And I do feel like the word I'd use for it is epic. I think there's, like, absolutely. I There is... I think there's a lot to love that, like, you weren't expecting. And I think uh, <laughs> shitty racist uh, Tolkien fans are not liking it. So that's a decent reason to watch it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of nuts, you know? Like, in the first, like, five minutes of the show, like, there's been, like, more, like, women talking to each other and people of color than the entirety of, like, everything that's been made with Tolkien's work by Hollywood. Which is sad, but it also, like, it's cool that it's happening now, you know? Because the, these worlds are made up, and, you know, I don't really give a shit if, like, it was mostly based on, like, European countries. Like, who gives a shit? Fantasies for everyone, you know? Yeah. But watch that shit. It is very epic. Uh, the, the scale of everything, like, is appropriately pretty grand and, like, pretty well done. It could get shadier, I don't know, but it's pretty rocking two episodes in. Yeah, also with the new Game of Thrones and this now, it's a great time for fantasy. I just think I'm just having a great time yeah. with it, and I'm excited. Uh, our flag mean death. Our flag means death. Isn't fantasy, but it is like period, and I think there is a lot of like really fun period stuff coming out now, which you love to see. You just want to see like men in like frilly shirts, you know. That's just what you want to see, and that's what Hollywood is for, and like. The fact that we've been moving away from that is atrocious. Lol, yeah. Alright. 
Well, I think we could wrap this up. Do you have anything that you want to plug? Your socials? You have some some cool short films? Maybe maybe you want to flex? OMG, yeah, my short film post updates on Instagram at Black Morning Film. If anyone wants to follow or see for any upcoming screenings, check it out. Mm-hmm. Me, Valentina. Not Matt. This wasn't a weird episode. Nothing felt yeah. off. There wasn't a strange disconnect between the two audios. And yeah, I'm Valentina. Uh, I don't have much to plug right now, but if you want to know where I'm at in life and all my future projects which are coming out, follow me on Twitter at, um, I never remember how to spell it properly, at lowercase x uppercase x uh underscore s three x underscore d three v i l maybe another underscore i'm not sure uppercase x lowercase x it says sexy devil with like x's on the side it's like but that's my twitter and i'll be posting anything that i make there all right and i think that's it this has been vampires piss the number one Vampire's Kiss podcast. If anyone ever like makes a new podcast, I'm going to go to their house and destroy their computer because uh, there can only be one. Uh, but yeah, bye. Dream of me, my